Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Mike Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. Amen. How many of you, I am so proud of, I'm going to say y'all a few times because I was in Texas for about, my wife can fly over a state and pick up their accent. I have to be in the state for a little bit. But, um, you know, uh, you guys, I'm so proud of you that it's like an hour early and y'all are looking totally, you're perky. Is it the coffee? Did you make a shift from coffee to espresso today? You know what I'm saying? You guys are like, oh my gosh. Anyway, hey, I want to, um, I'm not going to give you my title yet, but we're going to look at a prophet in the Old Testament, a minor prophet by the name of Habakkuk. Everybody say Habakkuk. Habakkuk, not probably no Habakkuk's here today, but, um, but realize this, and I think sometimes we just read and we don't necessarily understand culture of what is going on. But in the, in, in the Old Testament, realize that Jesus had not paid for their sins, and so there was a separation between them and God. When Jesus came, he paid for our sins, which then the Bible calls him in Hebrews, the second Adam, restoring us to God by his payment on the cross. But Jesus hadn't come. They didn't have a Bible like you and I had. They had in the Old Testament, they they only had five books. It was the Pentateuch, the first five books. And the only people that had access to those were those that the priests that were in the temple or a prophet. But other Otherwise, they did not have a Bible. And so what would happen in the Old Testament is a prophet was like a go-between between them and God. When they would get in a situation, when they would need a word from God, they would call for a prophet, and the prophet would come, and he would seek the Lord, and many times worship um, would be involved and different things like that, and the word of the Lord would come, and God would speak, and he would give them direction in their life when they needed direction. Direction. And I want to start in Habakkuk chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading in verse 2 through verse 5. And what I want you to notice is this is the prophet Habakkuk, and what he's first doing is he's complaining to God about what's going on around him. And then in verse 5, God answers. How many of you have ever complained to God? How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you are great at coaching him as to what he should have done? And if he would have done it, you wouldn't be where you're at now. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so Habakkuk is at that place. And I want to just start reading in verse 2. And this is Habakkuk, New Living Translation, verse 2. It says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry but you do not come and save. Moreover, I, I foresee these evil deeds. I forever see these evil deeds. Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Now, let me just stop right now. How many of you know that sounds like America right now? How many of you know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, Habakkuk, you're talking to us. Look at what he said. He said, the law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. 
the wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. How many of you have felt like that? A little bit. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's, and what I want you to notice is the first, first, the first three verses is he's complaining and then God answers him starting in verse five. And I really want us to take heart as to what God is answering him because I believe it is applicable to us in our here and now. It says, verse five, the Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed. There's the first thing. For I am doing something in your own day. Notice, I am doing, that's number two, in your own day. That's right now, or I'm, and you're gonna see it in your lifetime. Something you won't believe even if someone told you about it. Notice what God said to him. God said, I want you to stop right now and I want you to look around and take an inventory. How many of you could say right now, I've got enough inventory about what's going on around me right now? But God said, I want you to just look around right now and take an inventory. And then second thing God said is he said, I am doing something. Not I'm going to do do something, but I am doing something. Some of us right now are saying, God, do something. And God is saying, I am already doing something. But you're so consumed with what's going on around you that you won't even believe that I'm doing something. Are you guys with me today? And and look at what he said. The third thing is it's going to be in your day. You're going to see it. I think sometimes, well, when we go to heaven... Well, when we make it, God said, look around, take an inventory. I know it's not good what you're seeing, but there's a reason I want you to take an inventory. And and what he basically said is, I need you to make an adjustment that I am God and I am doing something right now. I am doing. And don't think you need to get to heaven to see it, but it's going to be in your day. But then the last thing he said is he said, you're not going to believe it. Think about that for a moment. God said, you're not going to believe it. The Amplified says it like this. The Lord replied, look among the nations. See, be astonished. Wonder, for I am doing something in your days. You would not believe it if you were told. Habakkuk is looking around and he's basically saying, God, I got a relationship with you. And what in the flip is going on around here. Let me just ask you a question. How many of you felt like that recently? What in the, in what I, I mean, if you, if you boil this down and you drill down into what's going on in his world, justice is gone. It's out the window. Nationally, the nation of Israel is in upheaval. They're in upheaval. Politically, Their leaders are in a wreck. Generationally, there is such a disconnect between the generations that they're not communicating. Informationally, they feel like they've been lied to and nobody is telling the truth. Professionally, due to all that, everybody is in a struggle. And relationally, amongst families, amongst friends, amongst people, everything is fractured. And God responds and basically says, I'm still in charge in spite of what it looks like. And I am going to amaze you and I'm going to blow your mind. 
That's what God said. I like that. That's a really good opportunity to say, Woo! Oh, God. Oh, oh. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just like, oh, oh, oh. I'm just going to let it all go. You know what I'm saying? God said, if I were to tell you, you wouldn't believe it because you're so dialed in to what's going on around you right now. You're so dialed in. See, I want, and I want you to realize this for a moment. I believe this is something that number one is personal in our lives, but number two is we all face it either uh, on a personal level in our life where we're like, God, what's going on? What is the big deal? And I want you to think about this and just bring some context to it. The disciples after the crucifixion, Jesus told them what was going to happen over and over and over again. It was prophesied in the Old Testament, but when it happened, they were so discouraged about it that they quit. I mean, think about this for a moment. You are with Jesus. How many of you think they were just boneheads? How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you just look and just say, you guys are idiots. You know what I'm saying? You were with him. You were with him. How many, that's my girl voice. <laughs> and, and you're quitting? You're quitting. They, and they quit until after the resurrection. And then they're like, oh, that's right. He told us about this. I mean, think about this for a moment. The Israelites, God comes to them in Egypt. We sung about it. He comes to them while they're in Egypt and speaks to them. And they basically say, we don't believe it. That's pretty much what they said. We don't believe it. Mary and Martha, this is personal level. Jesus, they send message about Lazarus. Jesus says this isn't going to end in death. Mary and Martha, they don't believe it. Abraham and Sarah, when it appeared, it, it was just taking too long for God to do what he had promised. I believe from a natural perspective in our world, due to the events and the representation of those events that right now in America and maybe the world, we are in a crisis of skepticism and disbelief. And it's, it's creeping into our relationship with God. It's creeping in where we're saying, God, I just, you know, there's too much. It's too far gone. Get me out of here. How many of you know, I call it rapturitis. You know what I'm saying? God, just get me, just get me, get me out of here. And, and, and we cry out, God, show me what you're doing. And God said, if I were to show you, I'm already at work. I'm already moving, but you wouldn't believe it because you have been dialed in too much to the news, to the media, to brother big mouth and sister big lips. And you have been talking, you've been listening to them so much that you will not listen to anything that I have got to say. And you're so discouraged. See, this is a question that I believe God is asking us and that every person must answer in every generation. They have to answer it. And because realize this is that, that when something significant happens in our world, it rocks us. And we have got to answer the question, do I believe that God is good? Do I believe that God is a plan? And do I believe that God has got me right now? Yeah. I'm just going to say, this is my title. How many of you like that title right there? Believe it. Everybody say, believe it. 
Believe it. God is saying, believe it. Do I believe? I'm just going to ask y'all. You can respond to me with a yes or a no. Okay. Do you believe that God is good? Okay. Online as well. Y'all, if online, if the person next to you don't answer, you got my permission. Mm. How many of you are with me? Online. Okay. Do you believe God is good? Do you believe God has a plan? Do you believe that God's got you? He's got your life. God's got my life. Let me just say right now, some of us just need, oh, thank God. Just chill out. Just, you, we just have to stop. And I think in our life, when I don't understand, and it doesn't make sense in my life, and it appears out of control, will I believe and trust that this is not taking God by surprise? It is not taking him by surprise. I like to say it like this, that trusting and believing in God is your paddle when you are up a creek and your motor has broke. It is your anchor when you are drifting toward the waterfall of skepticism, criticalness, and disbelief. And all everything around you, it is your anchor that, God, you've got this. Look at what it says. And, um, and, you know, and as Christians, we've got to be able to center and recenter in order to have sanity and be a light in a dark world. We've got to be able to stop and just say, how many, where we just, if you're not centered, then recenter, where we get back on the bubble. Look at what it says in, in Psalms 46, verse 10. It says, surrender your anxiety. Be silent and stop your striving, and you will see that I am God. I am the God above all nations, and I will be exalted throughout the whole earth. Man, I like that. God is in charge. He's got a plan, even when I don't understand. And what I want to do is I want to give you what I'm going to call five recentering principles in our life that if you're struggling right now, you're just saying, you know, I don't know what to believe. I'm not sure what's going on right now. Maybe you've lost your peace. Maybe you've lost your joy. Maybe you're looking at all your negative, your neighbors, like they're the antichrist. You know, maybe you're right now just being like, oh my gosh, is I want to give you, if I could, five recentering principles where you just stop and say, right now, am I at a place where I'm believing? I believe God. I believe in his goodness. I believe in his plan. I believe that he's got me. Number one is this, is lordship before friendship equals peace. Let me just be really, let me just be really clear and careful about this. Jesus calls us friends, the Bible tells us. We even got a song that y'all wish I wouldn't sing. And it, I am a friend of God. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you would like me to sing that song? Nobody, you, you guys are like, you're just hurting me. Anyway, it's, but it, it's, you know, worship song, I am a friend. It is very, very true. But realize this, my friendship with him is different than his lordship over my life. Lordship became, was first, friendship was second. And that when we just treat, when you think about this, is he's Lord before he's ever friend in my life. Friends have opinions that you don't have to listen to. How many of you are with me on that? They just give you their flippant opinion and you don't really have to listen to them. You know, when you think about it, 
friends make mistakes. Friends, you, you look at them. Friendship is portable. It's portable where you just look and, you know, you, you stop and you think and it's kind of a, a, it's, it's a moving target. And some of us, what we've done is we've become so casual with God that, oh, yeah, he's my friend. But excuse me, he is Lord before he's ever a friend. Realize this, that when he's Lord and a friend, it transforms my life. But when he is a friend and he isn't Lord, I'm going to go through all of the upheavals and downturns that the world goes through because I don't know who's in charge. I just look and just, well, yeah, God's, God's my friend. See, and you, you stop and you think about it. it. You know, when you look at it, look at what Proverbs 22, 4 says. It says, true humility and a fear of the Lord. Now, the word fear there, it means a reverential awe. I've got a rever. I'm in awe of God. That it's almost like God's got the highest level of respect. He doesn't just have an opinion. He doesn't just have a thought. But whatever God says, I can build my life on it. Everybody else has an opinion. I have an opinion. But God's word is the only thing that will transcend storms. It will transcend culture. It will transcend fads. It will transcend everything around you. It will transcend that person who's a pain in the butt to you right now. God's word will transcend them. He will transcend them. He, he will transcend. So he said, true humility and a fear or a reverence of the Lord. Look at what it leads to. So that it leads somewhere. Riches, honor, and a long life. God said, if I want you to get this, Mike, that you know what? Yeah, we are friends, but I'm God. We're friends, but look, I'm just not another opinion. We're friends, but my word isn't suggestions. It's life and death and will keep you out of the scrap heap of life if you'll allow me to lead you in your life. See, my trust in God and his principles are what stabilize me when everything else is falling apart. Everything else right now, if we are not anchored on scriptural truths within our life, a promise from God's word, I'm just going to tell you, we're just going to struggle. We're going to be all over the place. We're going to be up. We're going to be down. Look at what it says in Proverbs 3, verse 1 and 2. My child, if you truly want a long, satisfying life, that would be all of us, never forget the things I've taught you. Follow closely every truth that I've given you. Then you will have a full rewarding life. Man, I like that. Number two is this, is God's bigger than I can understand. He's bigger. God is bigger than I'm ever going to be able to comprehend. That is so huge. Some of us, that is revelatory in our life. Is You know, our Western world mentality can do us a disservice where and they didn't have our Western world, first world mentality in the Bible, but we've been raised in it right now. And what it is, is there's an illusion that we're in control of everything. That, oh yeah, I can just control. And if something comes into my life that I can't control, I immediately seek to control it. How many of you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so what it is, is realizing that I am not saying, and I want to be clear about this, is I am not saying don't have a plan. I am not saying don't navigate your life. I am not saying don't set 
goals in your life, but when things happen beyond my control, realize this, and I can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about that situation. Can I believe that God's got me? Can I just stop and say, I never planned for this. I didn't think about this. Oh, my gosh, can I believe? See, they had a belief in the bigness of God to navigate them. They loved God. They trusted God. They sought God. And then they had godly, accountable relationships within their life that would keep them from doing stupid things. How many of you know that all of us are only one stupid decision away from screwing up our whole life? That's a, and when we, when we say, God, I, I've been around people, and it's like, I love God. I trust God. I seek God. That was a dumb choice. Do you got any real friends? How many of you know what I'm saying? Where a friend didn't come along and say, I'm going to choke you out. If you, don't, if you don't turn, I'm going to choke you out. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you wish someone would have got in your space and choked you before you did something stupid a while back? How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you did, I just wish they would. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe they tried, but you choked them. <laughs> and I, I, what I love about God, what I love about the Bible is it, it gives us perspective that challenges our Western first world perspective. They believed that God was so big that if they just had these principles working in their life where they loved God, they sought God, they trusted God, and they had accountable relationships in their life that they were to plan they were to move forward, they were to not stop, that God was big enough to redirect them in where they needed to go. We in our, in our Western world, what we think is, well, I need to sit and wait and then God speak to me and come up. They just believed God was so big that he was navigating them all along. He was that big. Number three is this, is I must choose to live by trust and not by fear. I've got to choose. It's a choice every day that, God, I'm going to live by trust and not by fear. You know, in this, I'm going to call it this corona season. How many of you know? Some, it's in this corona season right now, uh, everything has been put on the table. Everything is just kind of out there on the table. And you do whatever you feel led to do. And I want to encourage you, those that are online, you're like, hey, I'm just, you know, right now I got peace and I'm going to worship, but I'm going to do it at home. Praise the Lord. If that's what you're comfortable doing, I want you to do that. But equally as I want you to not be nobody, not just there, everybody, but not be led by fear in our life. To stop and say, I'm afraid. You know, you get around today and people are just afraid and it's controlling their life. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Notice that statement right there. That's God's word. God said that fear can turn to a spiritual thing in our life, a spirit of fear. I believe that America has been hammered with a spirit of fear. People are just, you know, people are just afraid. And, and, and being a, when you talk about a spiritual thing, and if God said, I didn't give it to you, that means it came from the devil. Realize that it desires to control my life by me yielding the steering wheel of my life to it. 
or I just yield the steering wheel of my life. I'm just going to yield it to this because all this craziness. Fear is going to knock, but trust is what has to answer the door. Fear's knocking, but God, I trust you. I'm not going to go freaking out. You know what I'm saying? I'm, okay, God, I'm going to trust you in my life. Number four is this, is joy and peace come in trusting. They come in trusting. If I've lost right now, if you're here, and I'm going to give you a scripture in just a moment, but if you're here and you say, gosh, I've just lost my joy. Oh, I've just lost my peace in my life. I've got no peace. Back up to what you're believing right now and what you're trusting. Because whatever you're believing and whatever you're trusting right now is determining your level of joy and peace. Look at what it says in Romans 15, verse 13. I pray that God, now look at this statement. He's the source of hope. He'll fill you completely. When somebody's like completely full, if, if I were like a, if I were like a bottle, okay, and I was filled to here, would that be completely? You guys can talk to me. If I was filled to here, would that be completely? How about to here? Is that completely? Look at what he said. He said, God, look, he'll fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice this statement there, that when I trust God, God said, I'm gonna fill you up with joy and peace, and then the overflow out of that, because of the joy and the peace that's in you, is gonna be hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I like that, I, I, I like that. Number five is this. Some of you didn't think I was gonna get five done, but I did. Number five is this. During difficult times, God can usually get us to eat things we wouldn't normally eat. I'm going to say that again. Right now, in your life, is God trying to get you to eat something you ain't been open to eat? You know, um, we were as a, we were at a, it, it, we were at a family reunion slash my mom's birthday. And, um, and you know, I'm a, we, we, so we flew and, um, and I have a, per, when I fly, I have a preferred airline. How many of you are with me on that? And one that lets me fly with free bags because my wife goes for two days. She needs five bags. How many of you are with me on that? <laughs> She's like, she, anyway, so we, so we have a preferred airline, but, um, but when we were flying back, it was like, they were more expensive than the other one. So I'm like, how many of you, I'm conservative. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna bite the bullet. I'm gonna fly this airline. I'm not gonna tell you who they are, but I'm like, I don't like them, but I'm gonna fly them. How many, cause they're cheaper. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, and so what happened is, is we flew from Austin to Dallas, Fort Worth. Our, we're, we're, our goal was to make it back here, but we had to, they had to, and they couldn't get a direct flight, so we had to go from Austin to Dallas, Fort Worth, and then over here. Well, we get it, we get, we get there, you know, uh, my wife likes to be there super early, and so I, I'm a compliant individual, and so <laughs> we get there super early, and, and, and we get there, and we're there, you know, and we get on the plane, and they push the plane back. 
And when they pushed the plane back, I'm like, this is awesome because we only have 50 minutes in Dallas-Fort Worth to get from point A to our gate. And so this is good. And I'm the type, I'm looking at the magazine to say, okay, I'm going to be at this gate and I need to go to this gate. That means I need to take a tram and that means I'm going to take some time. Well, they push us back. And then when they push us back, the captain comes on and he says, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, but we've had a slight problem and they're not allowing flights to land in Dallas Fort Worth and so we're going to sit here on the runway for 30 to 40 minutes rather than fly in circles over Dallas Fort Worth now how many of you know in my brain I'm thinking 30 to 40 minutes I got 50 minutes and I got to catch a tram and it's going to mess everything up so I'm sitting there you know what I'm saying and I know because I've flown enough that if it's a weather-related thing, this is the last flight of the day. And I'm like, that means I'm going to have to spend the night. And I'm thinking in my mind, well, if it's weather-related, they're not going to pay for my hotel. So I immediately get on the weather app. Is there a storm over there? What's causing this? Because if it's mechanical, they're putting me in a hotel tonight. Are you with me? And so I'm going through the whole thing and I can't get any reception on the airplane and all that kind of stuff. And so, so what happens is, is finally we take off and we get there. We land 10 minutes before our next flight takes off. And I look at my wife and the, and the stewardess comes on. She says, we're here, ladies and gentlemen, and we're so grateful that you've flown with us. But there are some of you that are on a very tight schedule. So if we could have all of those, that this is your final place, if you could stay seated and let those on a tight schedule get off. Do you think they listened to that? They didn't listen to that. And we're in the back of the plane. And so I'm like, how many of you are with me on that? How many of you can relate to me right now? And I just look and I say to my wife, (gasps) (laughs) how many of you believe in the rapture? (laughs) I look at my wife and I said, no. I said, patience. Patience isn't waiting, it's an attitude while I'm waiting. And then I looked at her and I said, when we get off this plane, we're going to run. We're going to run. And she travels with like her book bag and this bag. And I'm the mule. I got my backpack on. You know what I'm saying? I got all stuff. So we hit the ground and I'm just, we're running. Jump on the tram. Take the tram about a mile and a half away and jump off. And we're just trucking. And we, and we get up to the gate and they've closed it. They've closed it. And I, we're here. I know Bob and Renee can relate to this one. <laughs> it's, we're here. And, and, like, and, and the lady looks at me and says, are you the two that were? I said, that's us. It's us. It's us. She said, we're going to let you on. And she hits the buttons and opens it. There was just one problem. I had planned on hitting the ground in Dallas and getting something to eat. I was hungry. So I sit down and I'm like, I'm hungry. (laughs) So I'm like, I need to look in my backpack. I start digging through my backpack and I found some apples, dried apples from 10 years ago when I went to Africa. (laughs) 
And then I found these Werther hard. How many of you know those Werther things? And they were supposed to be hard, but they were chewy. How many of you know this? And I said, baby, I got us food. She said, yeah, I ain't eating that. She said, I, she said how old is it? I said, the Lord's going to sanctify it. Lord, thank you for this. You know what I'm saying? Say, did you eat it? What do you think? Oh, I ate it. I was like, oh, my gosh. But I would not normally have ate that. And some of us in this season right now, God is trying to get you to eat some things that you have not been open to eat. He's trying to get you. He's, he has tried, directed you. He's tried to work on you. And he's tried to get you, you know, you need to, I, I need you today. Ah, we're cool. We're good. God's like, yo, not now you ain't. You're going to eat it. You're going to eat it. He won't make you. But I promise you this. This season can be marked by some of the greatest personal spiritual growth in your life that you have ever had before if you'll eat what's on your plate and say, God, I'm going to eat. Okay, God, I'm going to yield to you in this area. Lord, I'm open to you. Lord, it's not about just a friend anymore. You're the Lord of my life. It's not about just this casual thing, but Lord, I'm going to put you first in my life. And I promise you this, that the season that we're in, God is saying, I need you to believe it that I've got a plan. I need you to believe it that I'm already at work. I need you to believe it that you know what? You're going to see it in your day. But I equally need you to right now, I need you to stop and say, God, I'm going to believe you in my life. Stand to your feet.